Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Great to have everybody back. Uh, my name's Michael Trent. Uh, this is Red versus Blue Fantasy Sports Talk Radio. Uh, wherever you may be, thank you. I want to thank you for making us part of your program. Uh, Scott Atkins, he's uh, he's a little under the weather tonight, but that's okay. Uh, he's got a little raspy voice. I've talked to him a couple times tonight, and uh, he's He's just a little bit under the weather, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna make things happen uh, with. Uh, and I thought you would like that, Scott. I had to throw out that. We're gonna make things happen. Uh, we got a big show ahead. Uh, beautiful day. It's a beautiful day for uh, some. It's not so beautiful for others. Uh, it depends on uh, who you are. Uh, the combines are over, um, and some made some statements. Some didn't. Uh, but uh, the pro day is uh, coming up as well as far as uh, those that are getting ready to to uh, get themselves established in the NFL, uh, established uh, as far as, as when the draft comes along in uh, in April. So uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a beautiful day for some, and might not be so beautiful for some others. But uh, like I said, I'm I'm Michael Trent, uh, and uh, just. Uh, enjoying having uh, everybody along with you um 
we're uh, we're going to get ready to have uh, Jeff Pasquino from Dynasty Guys. Uh, he's already on the line, and I can't wait to uh, check out what he has to say about uh, free agency and trades. Guys, let's face it. When uh, when midnight happened last night um, or this morning, you know I couldn't wait to see the deals that came down, the Cromarty the deal uh, that came down, uh, and other deals uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, that those things are huge uh, in the dynasty realm of things. So we we we've got to definitely touch on that. And uh, later on, uh, we're going to have uh, Neil Atkins. He's going to be joining us. Um, you know, about 11.30, uh, quarter to uh, 12 uh, Eastern time to talk about some other stuff. But uh, right now, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, waste any time at all because uh, Jeff Pasquino from Dynasty Guys, uh, he's uh, really got this site going and uh, not only going, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's exploding and we're really, uh, we're really happy to have Jeff along with us and uh, to talk about the, uh, Free agency and trades. Uh, Jeff, how you doing out there? Good, Mike. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to you. Happy uh, <laughs> Happy March 5th. That's right. Well, the calendar just a little bit. We are on NFL time here. And as the clock struck midnight, you know, we didn't have Dick Clark, but we certainly, uh, the ball dropped and all the, you know, the Blackberry went off in Adam Schefter's hands and uh, everybody was off and running. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. You know, it was funny because, uh, you know, I was talking about it yesterday at work. I was like, wow, man, you know, at midnight, things are really going to happen. I even posted on uh, a couple of boards uh, in High Stakes uh, uh, Fantasy Sports. You know, it's like, wow, at 12.01, things are going to start happening. And uh, sure enough, they did with uh, Julius Peppers and uh, some other things uh, that, that, that went down last night. Yeah, there was a whole lot going on. I think uh, everybody expected the, this to hit the ground running. You see some names going out there. I think the Bolden deal definitely caught some eyes. To, and we started even before midnight with the Jake DeLum cut. We had some guys getting cut, some older veteran running backs being cut. So, you know, things are going to be moving uh, fast and frenzied all weekend until it starts to calm down early part of next week when we get sort of into phase two of how things roll around here. Yeah, exactly, Jeff. And, uh, you know, like you said, phase two, I mean, it's just going to continue to be a kind of a snowball effect. I think, you know, there's, uh, you had Washington, they dropped, uh, you know, or released, you know, 10 or 12 players. And uh, a lot of teams are doing that. Uh, you have uh, the Jets that are going to drop and try to re-sign Thomas Jones. That's something that I want to uh, I, I want to talk about actually, because uh, it's a contract issue, and it's a contract issue with a lot of those players that have the big contracts, is a drop and re-sign. Uh, what's your take on that, Jeff, as far as uh, the top, well, for instance, Thomas Jones? Uh, because, you know, I mean, I'm going to ramble on here, but let's face it, <laughs> the, the last two years, he is one of the top three uh, running backs rushing yards uh, in the NFL. Well, I, I, think ahead, from, I think from a football perspective, I think fans really need to start paying attention to the business angle. And that's sort of what I wrote up this week uh, for Dynasty Guys when I said Happy New Year to everybody. Um, I, the, they, 
the the casual fan normally just you know like says, hey, get out there play ball. I want to see who's on the new team. I don't care about the contracts, but you have to pay attention to the contracts now because of that dreaded collective bargaining agreement that's looming. This huge shadow that's about 15 or 18 months ahead of time. Uh, that's, that could be foreshadowing a work stoppage. So we get the first implications right now where we have no salary cap, but the people needed to know that it's not just no cap, it's no floor. There used to be a, fo- a floor where they, every team had to spend about 87, 88% of the cap. So salaries had to be, you had, you had to pay somebody. You had to keep players right. employed. Now, You've got teams that are going to be cutting budget just because they can. They're going to be saving money. They don't want to throw out $30, $40 million signing bonuses for a player they may get one year worth out of their uh, their contract, and then they may be on strike next year or locked out. So the business side of things is really uh, plays into a big part now. And getting back to your Thomas Jones point, um, most teams would rather renegotiate with a player and players really would rather renegotiate before they get to this point. They don't want to be released unless they really think that there's going to be a huge market for them when they go out and hit the free agency market. But for veteran um, running backs, running backs are a glutted market right now. There's tons of them. There's lots of them in the draft. There's lots of them in the free agency. Westbrook's out there. Thomas Jones is out there. Tomlinson's out there. I mean, there's only so many jobs. There's only so many teams. So there's not a big money going to the running backs. It's now a passing frenzied league. They throw the ball. They, they, they Wide receivers and quarterbacks drive the league now. You saw the NFC had the best crop of quarterbacks uh, ever to make the playoffs last year. So I think Thomas Jones, he's pride t- taking a hit. He may not sign back with the Jets, even though that might be where he gets the most money, and he may move on for that very reason. Well, and, and another thing, Jeff, uh, that you brought up was uh, – Locked out. Um, you know, I, I'm watching. I'm watching the developments here, and uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, look too far ahead. But uh, do you, do you think, in a way, the players are a little concerned to be, about being locked out? Because this, I mean, there's a big difference between a strike and a lockout. So, uh, do you think the players, in some way, may be concerned about being locked out? Oh, they're definitely concerned about that. I think they're they're already talking about saving a quarter of their salary so that they're hunkered down for 2011. They're getting ready now for what they believe is in, inevitable to come down next year. Um, the owners are already planning for it. They're experimenting right now with a salary cap, no salary floor, seeing what they can get away with money, monetary-wise. Everything you see that's kind of a little bit different, you need to think about how does this impact 2011. For example... Okay. Later this year, Arena Football League is going to be on NFL Network. Now, you might think that, oh, that's a nice thing that they put on there, some programming. Think about it. What happens if there's no uh, NFL season in next September? There People could be are going to flood that. They, they could be uh, Arena Football on next year in, in lieu of NFL for the first four to six weeks until you work out this deal. The NFL is – both sides are really – Bunk, uh, get hunkering down, getting ready for this, and ready for a really long, nasty uh, drag-out negotiation on here. Well, you know, and and I hope it doesn't get to that point, but, you know, it sounds like it already has gotten to that point. Uh, I don't know if uh, the late Gene Upshaw would have made any difference at all, uh, you know, as far as these negotiations goes. But, uh, well, 
let's go ahead and uh, let's think about 2010 uh, while we have it. Uh, let's think about uh, what's getting ready to happen. Uh, Jeff, I, I, I'd like to bend your ear on a few players, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson, uh, he, uh, you know, obviously he's going to Detroit, and uh, Detroit, they're a team that, you know, they don't care about 2011, 12, in a way, uh, because they never have cared about the future, it seems like. But uh, at this point in time, they're starting to think about now uh, with Stafford and now Nate Burleson. What do you think about Nate Burleson in, in, in Detroit, Jeff? Well, I've always liked Nate Burleson. I've always liked him ever since when he put up 10 touchdowns a couple of years ago, and he was just like a, no one talked about him. No one mentioned this guy. Who, you know, 10 touchdowns is a lot for a receiver. He had nine as a receiver, one as a punt returner. That's a ton. He's put up good numbers. He was the number 25 wide receiver in PPR last year on a per-game basis. He averaged over 13, nearly 13 yards per catch. He's not that old. He's on the right side of 30. I, I like him. I think this is a good signing for him. Detroit has got to take a little bit of a gamble, but they've got to be selective in how they gamble. Burleson is a great pickup. He's the right side of 30. They can grow with that team uh, for several years. You've got you know, Megatron on the one side, now Burleson on the other. You've got Kevin Smith hopefully coming back. They're probably going to add another running back because there's plenty of them out there. Uh, they want yeah. Pettigrew, and they get Matthew Stafford. That's a great – if they get that offensive line together, that's a great offense to build from on that turf, and they're building the defense by signing Kyle Vandenbosch this week. Yeah, it, that's a very good point, Jeff, uh, with uh, Vandenbosch. Um, you know, and that's what they have to do is build within those lines and uh, the Lions – build within the lines for the Lions <laughs> – uh, but uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, Nate Burleson, he's going to be a definite uh, addition. And, you know, they're starting to really build some things in Detroit. So if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you know, don't get too down and too too sad about what's going on because, uh, well, take a look at the Bengals a couple years ago. I mean, they were terrible, and they almost – I mean, they made the playoffs this year. So you, you never know what can happen. Um I want to uh, touch on another one that uh, went down, which I, you know, I think we all thought it would was uh, Anquan Bowden. Anquan Bowden, uh, he went to Baltimore, and uh, it's it sets up. Uh, this is a twofold question I'm going to ask you or uh, kind of approach you with. Uh, Anquan Bowden to Baltimore, does it help his fantasy stats? And what does it do to Steve Breston's stats in Arizona, Jeff? Well, I think that Bolden is actually even with last year. Now, let me tell you why. I think he went down as soon as Kurt Water retired. But now he's back up because he's going with Flacco. I think Flacco skyrockets because he's going to get both Bolden and and uh, Derek Mason. Mason will sign with Baltimore. I don't know why people are thinking that's not going to happen. Baltimore wants him back, but they want him to be the number two, and now they got a perfect number one with Bolden. So you're going to see a ton of action there. They barely have a tight end anymore. Heap is done. I think they're going to have a glorified left tackle. They they already went. Uh, they would go to extra wide, extra long uh, uh, offensive line and stack it to one side anyway. So I think you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of targets to both Bolden and Mason. They're seven or eight a game. And I think that mean, they may not break a, a big one. I think Bolden's much more probable with a break of one than Mason anymore. Mason's a possession guy. But I think that Bolden can definitely, assuming he stays healthy, which is always the concern, 
But none right. uh, find a tougher wide receiver. I mean, after he broke his jaw, he's back in two weeks. That was crazy. Uh, yeah. He'll definitely get a thousand yards. He'll definitely get lots of end zone looks. I think that both him and Flacco will grow together for the next several years. They've extended him, I believe, not just this year with the existing contract. They added four more years at $28 million. So he's going to be in Baltimore for five more years with Flacco. That's huge. So those two plus uh, Ray Rice are going to grow old together and really develop. As long as Baltimore addresses the defense well in the draft, I think that Baltimore is going to be probably the favorite to win the AFC North. Yeah, you know what, Jeff, that wouldn't surprise me a bit because uh, Ray Rice is kind of a glue to that team uh, because he he is so versatile and can do so many things. Uh, Derek Mason, last year, he he pretty much had to uh, to, uh, carry the load as a wide receiver, so this would kind of free him up a little bit. Uh, The tight end situation, eh, well, We'll, we'll see what happens as far as uh, Baltimore goes with that. But they, they may not need one as far as a uh, a huge tight end, you know, when it comes down to it. Because uh, when you add uh, Bowden on one end, Mason on the other, Rice behind Flacco, uh, that's that's a you know that that's four threats right there that uh, that can tear teams apart. And I think Baltimore uh, has a chance to prove that. Right. As soon, as soon as you start looking at it, because Baltimore's not going to throw the ball 30 times a game. But if you start, you know, doling out the targets, you got eight for Bolden and eight for Mason and five to Rice, you know, there's 21 right there. Give Mark Clayton as the third wide receiver three or four targets. Now there's only four or five that are on the floor to pick up. You don't need a tight end that's going to catch a lot of balls. I think they're going to draft somebody because it's a pretty good tight end class to draft from. But, again, they're going to stack the line and be able to run the ball out of the six-man front and have the two strong wide receivers, maybe Clayton in the slot now and then, and have one or two in the backfield. I think it's a great formation for them. And I think they can put up good numbers. Well, and another thing, uh, Jeff, is actually that uh, the last, I don't know, four or five Super Bowl champions, uh, they distribute the ball. It, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be somebody's game that day. Yeah, I think so. I think that what teams would do is they would try to take Mason out against the Ravens, which would force you to throw to Mark Clayton. We know how that turned out last year. He dropped the ball that cost them against the Colts last year. So I think that pushing Clayton down and pushing Mason down, and I think he's, you know, I see in the chat room that people are questioning whether he's going to sign or not. I'm telling you, I'm here. I'm in Baltimore. I'm telling you, Mason's coming back. It's just a negotiation tactic, just like the retirement last year. He's going to sign. Just relax. He'll be back. Well, and, you know, why wouldn't he? I mean, he, he looked good. I mean, he looked good, uh, especially toward the latter part of the year. I mean, uh, Derek Mason looked – I mean, he was, he was a go-to guy for Flacco. So, you know, I mean, why wouldn't he? He'll be back, and he, he could be a mentor. Uh, it, it's hard to believe that he could be a mentor for Bowden, but that could be that could be the case. Well, they've got another guy there. They've got a um, – uh, I'm trying to remember – Justin Harper, who they really like. And I think that's probably going to be your wide receiver four or five because um, you're going to be looking at Stallworth, who just signed. He's probably going to be your four until he pulls his hamstring in week two, and then he'll be in IR like usual. But I, I think that's what you're going to see. I think that the, both those guys be mentors. They they may even draft a guy late that they'd rather see, see somebody on their board that they like. 
I don't think you'll see Demetrius Williams back. But given Bolden and Mason, really you have a much better plan for the future with Clayton as well uh, for the next two or three years for certainly, and then you can start planning for when Mason really finally does hang him up. Right, right. Good point, Jeff. Um, well, I'm going to talk about uh, I'm going to talk about Thomas Jones a little bit. Uh, I'm going to switch gears on you, uh, Thomas Jones. Uh, you know the, the Jets. Uh, I, I really think uh, I really think they need to get this guy back. Sean Green. Sean Green is ready, but he would love to have Thomas Jones uh, right there alongside of him uh, because you know the last two years. Uh, you know, I think Thomas Jones is the third most uh, uh, rushing yards out of any uh, back in the NFL. And, you know, that, that that's huge. Uh, but the stigma of I'm 30 or I'm 31 in the NFL uh, as a running back, you know, that, that kind of weighs, weighs on a running back. But uh, Thomas Jones, uh, what – What's your take on Thomas Jones? Because I still have, uh, I still believe that uh, he can still he can still do some things. Well, I think that you know I touched on a little bit earlier about the the uh, the money thing. So I think there's kind of a, a pride factor there that he's probably not going to go back to the Jets at this point because they didn't want to pay him like the like he just, he feels like he should get paid and probably he does deserve it. Um, I think the reason that they let him go is that they're confident that Leon Washington's going to be coming back, and he's going to be the guy that they pair with Sean Green. So if you get those two guys in the backfield splitting carries, and uh, maybe a Danny Woodhead is a third, or uh, Danny Ware, did somebody get in the mix there as a third guy, even you know again a draft pick? Um, I think with Washington and Green, you definitely have enough. But that's a, definitely a run-first team. Um, they'll have to work Braylon Edwards in as far as the passer. Uh, because they didn't have very much chemistry last year, hopefully they can work that out, and he wasn't he won't start catching balls again with his face. Uh, but right. I think that I think Thomas Jones, his ultimate fate, I believe, from what I, I'm seeing and what I'm hearing throughout the league, I think he winds up in Kansas City. I think Kansas City is going to pair going to pair him with Jamal Charles. So Jamal Charles owners are going to be going crazy now once they hear that. Uh, I don't know yeah. if that may. Um, they may make deals or whatnot, but Jamal Charles, his value is huge right now until they add another running back. And I guarantee you that Kansas is going to add another running back. They just have to. Yeah, yeah, they got to. Or uh, Jamal Charles, uh, next thing you know, uh, defenses, they're going to be eight, nine in the box, and they're going to swallow up Charles. And, uh, you know, Matt Castle, he, he won't have any chance, and the wide receivers won't have any chance. So, uh that's an interesting point, Jeff, because I, I really never thought about that. But, uh, you know, Thomas Jones, Kansas City, that could be. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, swinging back to, to uh, another uh, jet, that a new jet, is a Cromarty, which uh, doesn't necessarily impact the uh, offensive side of things, but uh, just thinking about the Jets, uh, the rich get richer on the uh, on the defensive side, and uh, the Jets. It seems like they're uh, pushing all the right buttons to, uh, you know, to get to that uh, AFC title game and maybe move forward next year. I mean, that that's a huge pickup. 
Well, Rex Ryan comes across as a, you know, a big, lovable guy and kind of a soft-spoken guy, and you know, he, he well, he he does have his moments, but you know, he he tries to play the, like the dumb guy and just doesn't know too much. He's a smart guy. Don't be fooled by that. He knows what's going on. It's a pass-happy mm-hmm. league, so if you get two corners that can go man to man, you can put eight in the box and challenge teams to throw on you in a limited window and get the ball out there fast. If you put pressure on the quarterback where he's got less than three seconds to get rid of that ball, that helps your corners cover because they can be in press coverage the whole time. So that's what they're going to do to win that division because I think they've got the best talent in that division. And they have to beat teams like the Colts and the Patriots, teams that throw the ball. And, and San Diego, they have to have two corners and then force teams to try and go to that third wide out on that nickel corner and try to beat them that way. But I think the Jets' defense is going to lead them very well. I mean, it's going to be a lot of what we saw last year. You're going to see a lot of ground game, a lot of defense, and the third the third option is going to be the passing game, and they're going to be one more year mature down that road. And I think they're going to be one of the favorites to win it all, probably going up against Baltimore or San Diego. Yeah. You know, absolutely, that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense uh, when you start thinking about it uh, down the road. Uh, with the teams involved, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, uh, for those of you just checking in, uh, this is Red versus Blue uh, Fantasy uh, Sports Talk Radio. Uh, my name is Michael Trent. Uh, Scott Atkins, our, our host, uh, he's out right now. Uh, he's had uh, a little bit. Of, he can't talk. Let's put it that way. Uh, but we're uh, we're happy to. Uh, to be joined by Jeff Pasquino from Dynasty Guys. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, uh, www.dynastyguys.com. Uh, I, I mean, they, they've uh, put on a heck of a show there, and uh, they've got things going on, and we're happy to have Jeff with us. Uh, Jeff, I, I'd like to touch on one player that uh, he he's with a new team, and that's uh, Chester Taylor. Chester Taylor uh, – he goes to the Bears, and uh, that wasn't really a total shock. But uh, what impact do you think that that's going to have on uh, Matt Forte? Well, it is going to be interesting. I think uh, Matt Forte is probably going to see fewer passes thrown his way because Chester Taylor, he is a he's a consummate back, but he's more known right now as a receiver than as a rusher. But he certainly is he can certainly do both. I think, again, this league is a running back by committee league, so you're going to be seeing two backs in the backfield. But with Mike March, you don't necessarily see a whole lot of carries. So I think it's going to be a split backfield. This is definitely a down step for Matt Forte. Um, from a dynasty perspective, I kind of saw this coming two years ago. I happened to be lucky, lucky enough to draft him two years ago as a rookie, and I traded him last year, uh, right before year two because I saw that he doesn't make a lot of yards after contact. I mean, yeah. when his offensive line is not making him space, the space that he can get to, he doesn't get a lot of yards after initial contact. So when you see backs like that, it's tough to keep them, you know, uh, as far as a good long-term investment. I think, you know, Jamal Charles, I, mean, I love Jamal Charles right now, but but I'd be selling him because I don't see upside. I mean, show me the upside for Jamal Charles. I don't see a whole lot of it. So when a guy is at a peak value, like a Sidney Rice, you got to sell because where's the upside? The, you, the, you're, you, you always want to sell high. 
You got to sell high. So you, when these guys are high, sell them. Now Matt Forte is in a, a valley. He may actually be a buy because there's no guarantee that Chester Taylor lasts all year. There's no guarantee that you know Mike Morris doesn't use him more. So if everybody's down on Matt Forte now, which he definitely is because of this, I'd be looking to gather him up. Uh, the Bears are doing the right thing though from a football perspective because they're throwing money out there because they have no draft picks. They got to go out there and try and save Lovey's job. Throw money at. Uh, peppers and throw money at chester taylor and try to get the team all together and try to get some wins and look for greg olson to be traded probably to the patriots because they have lots of second round picks well you know that's that's another one uh that i was thinking about was uh greg olson you know it seems like the bears right now they're a hot topic because uh what they're very active right now and like what you said uh that they've got to do something they've got to do something right now to like you said, quote, uh, save Lovey Smith's job, uh, you know, just to do some something that's going to make them competitive because, let's face it, last year it was awful. And uh, they, they, they have to do something that's going to make them competitive against uh, Green Bay and uh, Minnesota. They don't like getting beat down. The owners don't like getting beat down. The fans don't like getting beat down. But they got beat down last year. Uh, it, I think it all started with the uh, Orton, uh, the, the Kyle Orton trade, and the whole deal with that. But uh, you know, Greg Olson, what's going to happen with him? Would you say, uh, Jeff? Uh, I think he's going to probably going to go to New England. I think you got to find a team that has a second or third round pick and needs a, uh, a tight end. But uh, it's it's really interesting right now because I think the league is starting to get a lot of tight ends. There's a good draft pool for the tight ends. You've got Tony Scheffler out in Denver that they don't really use him that much. You've got Ben Watson who's flying around as a free agent right now. I think there's lots of tight ends in the league. There's lots of teams already have tight ends, and they're a big part of the offense right now. But And college game has uh, ad- adapted to build good tight ends for the pro game. So when that happens, uh, there's a lot of them available right now, which means when there's a lot of something, the value goes down. So Greg Olson... Good, very good tight end, but his value drops down to a second or third round pick, and I think that the Patriots are probably going to be willing to give that up because they got to replace Welker. Edelman's a great guy, but I don't think he's going to be the be all end all. So some, there are some teams out there that do need tight ends: Cincinnati, Arizona, and the Patriots. Yeah, and what happened? Uh, you know, three or four years ago when a tight end was a dime a dozen. Now, I mean, it, it's it's golden treasure. I mean, you got backup tight ends that are, you know, backup tight ends on some teams are uh, very startable on a lot of teams, and it's it's just amazing how the league has evolved uh, into uh, different positions have become uh, position players like your tight ends. Yeah, it's, it goes back to both the college game and how it evolved from the spread offense and also to the, the five-yard rule in the defense where they can't touch a guy after five yards. So if you've got tight ends that are running a spread and you've got a guy running against a, a Sam line, linebacker who can't hit him after five yards running down the seam, he's going to beat a free safety. So the, those tight ends are now a big part of the West Coast offense that everybody loves to incorporate in some way. So from Brent Selleck to Greg Olson to uh, – to, I mean, there's tons of them. So you, you, Green Bay has two. Dallas has two. Lots of teams yeah. have two tight ends out there. So there's lots of them out there, and they're a big part of the passing game right now. Well, absolutely. And, uh, 
you know, like Jason Witten last year, uh, talking about Dallas, I mean, I, you know, he, he was one of the most high-profile tight ends uh, uh, coming into your draft, into your dynasty draft, into your uh, high-stakes high draft. Uh, he really wasn't that big of a part of the offense, uh, but there were other, you know, other players that were doing the deal uh, as far as uh, tight end goes, you know. So, you know, I mean, they have backup tight ends, like you said, Jeff, and there's a lot of other things that's going on as far as tight ends goes. Um, I want to talk on uh, one thing right now that uh, really bothers me, um, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, this guy, there's something coming out about him, uh, you know, another abuse situation. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, touch on that too much. But uh, when when word comes out over and over again, uh, it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder about uh, the character of uh, Ben Roethlisberger and what's going on uh, with him. Uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that uh, Pittsburgh will get it. Uh, they'll get it handled, and uh, they're going to find out everything that's going on. But uh, if you're uh, from a dynasty standpoint, if you're a Ben Roethlisberger owner, which uh, you know I've never been a huge fan of, but he still puts up solid solid stats. Uh, Jeff, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm asking or what I'm saying, but. Uh, what do you do? How what do you, you do how do you approach this if you're a Ben Roethlisberger owner? Well, what it, what you do is you definitely want to get your hands on his backup. So you want to go out and get Hickson. Uh, I believe that's his backup right now. The, uh, the 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 Hickson who had a good game against Baltimore last year. Um, but for right now, it's it's a local minimum. You can't sell when he's on bad news. You just can't. Um, he's he's a borderline quarterback one in this league. You have to hold on to him. He puts up good numbers. Pittsburgh throws the ball more than they run as of late until Mendenhall really gets it together. But even then, I think they've got enough weapons that they still throw the ball. Um, Big Ben, where there's smoke, there's fire, it seems, and then we're seeing more than one incident now. But you can't, you know, I mean, you can't sell. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to sell them low? That doesn't make any sense from a fantasy perspective. Um, from a fantasy owner, you really have to detach yourself from, you know, your your personal preferences against what a guy does or whatever. If you're trying to make a good dynasty team, and yeah, sure, you don't want this guy in your team. I understand that. I can completely relate with that, your your perspective. But from your team standpoint, what are you going to do? You can't sell a guy when he's 50 cents on the dollar. So you got to hold on. you got to wait, wait till he puts up some good weeks and see if you can't flip him or at least look out and, you know, gr- grab Matt Moore. Grab, you know, whoever St. Louis grabs, you know, A.J. Feely. You know, grab... Uh, uh, Grigkowski out in Oakland. Just get a couple backup plans, just in case. You know, that if you ever want to move on, uh, what I do is I, I, I I'm in a, um, a league that's a big rosters, uh, an IDP league where we've got 50 roster spots. And what I'll do is I'll go through periods where I have a ton of guys at a position. I've like eight, nine quarterbacks. I had Michael Vick when he got arrested. It just so happens that's where I was. So I wound up collecting all these different quarterbacks, and I wound up with Matt Moore, and I wound up with a couple other guys, and I get lucked into some good starters and traded them away. And as soon as I got two or three starters, I dropped all the extras in that position, and I started building up another position. So you kind of have these ebbs and 
ebbs and flows in your teams, and that's how you construct your team. You know, all right, all right I have to address this area. Let's throw some buckshot. You know, I'll have 20 wide receivers now until I can get seven, and I can cut them down and go find some linebackers. That's just how it works. So that's what you have to do. You can't sell low. You just have to ride out the storm. Go out and guys get prospect. Find some guys that you you know have some upside who might turn into the next Tony Romo, who I think Matt Moore could be, and go get well, those kind of guys. Yeah, and uh, you know when when you as soon as you said Matt Moore, I wrote him down because uh, this guy uh, I I really can't I, I can't stand every time Scott uses the term upside because he uses it a lot, but uh, Matt Moore has a ton of upside in my opinion. And this guy, uh, you know, he will make things happen for uh, Carolina. I, I totally believe that. Now, yeah, and I'll, I'll let the listeners in uh, on one of my secrets of dynasty football. You know, dynasty guys, we talk about this kind of stuff. The way to find guys like this is at the end of training camp, when they cut the last guys and try to sneak them onto the practice squad, if another team grabs that guy before he gets on the practice squad, you should go get him too. That's how I got Matt Moore. I saw Matt Moore in, in training camp. He looked great. Dallas tried to cut him and put him on their practice squad, and Carolina grabbed him. That tells me that two general managers like this guy. He's got NFL prospect written all over him. I want him on my team. Those are the kind of guys you do find, like, I mean, pennies on the dollar. I mean, nothing. Just grab him, right. stash him on your right. on your, and just, just wait. Because you know if two GMs like him, probably several of them, do the, at least he's going to be rostered for a while. He's going to get an opportunity. Those guys cost next to nothing but a roster spot. So just go out and grab them, stick them on your roster, you know, and let them develop, and just wait for these opportunities like you see right now for Matt Moore. That that's a very good point, Jeff. And uh, you know, for everybody uh, listening out there, uh, take note of that. Take note of that. And uh, if not, then I'm sure Jeff will, uh, you know. Just remind you on uh, Dynasty Guys. Just go to DynastyGuys.com and uh, you'll, uh, you'll you'll hear that. That that's a very good point because uh, Matt Moore. I've never even thought about Matt Moore, and of course I'm kind of a rookie when it comes to some of this stuff. But uh, uh, that that that's a very good point, Jeff. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to uh, bring up a perfect fit in my opinion, and uh, I'm I'm not the the thug type. Uh, fan or what have you, but uh, Brandon Marshall, I think he is a perfect fit in Seattle. They need a number one. Hushmanzada is not a number one. Brandon Marshall is a number one. I think Brandon Marshall will fit perfectly. Uh, I don't care who's throwing the ball. Uh, if he can get 21 receptions uh, in one game, uh, he can get uh, 15 in another game. Uh the guy has unbelievable talent. He just needs to be grounded. And uh, when I say grounded, I'm, you know what I mean as far as his, uh, you know, extracurricular things that he does. But I think Brandon Marshall is going to be a perfect fit in uh, Seattle. And that might make uh, T.J. Husmanzada a little bit better, Jeff. Yeah, uh, T.J. did the, the best when Chad Ochocinco was doing the best to, uh, on the other side. So, uh, TJ would oh, certainly enjoy having someone else on the other side of the field to, uh, getting some uh, attraction from the defense. So I, I think Brandon Marshall definitely needs a change of scenery. Uh, Denver, it's ever since the incident uh, where um, uh, uh, his name escaped him, where uh, uh, Darren was killed uh, and he yeah. was there. Yeah, and, yeah. and, yeah, and 
and that that really has messed with his head, and, and he's been kind of a problem child ever since. So I think that he needs to get out of Denver. He's the number one no matter where you put him. Uh, as far as the quarterback situation, I think Hasselbeck, he's not as old as you would think on paper, but he's been through a lot. So, again, from a dynasty perspective, take a look at Seneca Wallace. Take a look at Mike Teal. Just, you know, if you've got room and you're looking for a quarterback, you know, just, it's a low-stakes gamble. May as well try it, uh, especially if Seattle doesn't draft anybody or bring anybody in. Mike Teal, he was the quarterback for Kenny Britt at Rutgers. I think that he's a nice gamble guy and good upside. Well, good, good, good. That that sounds awesome. Uh, well, Jeff, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, I think uh, you know. I think we're uh, we're about done. Uh, do you have anything else you want to uh, you want to uh, throw out there uh, as far as uh, dynasty guys or anything that you guys got going right now? Well, dynasty guys. I mean, we're out there. This is the this is the heightened time for dynasty coverage. I mean, you got all this stuff going on. Everybody's focused on the rookies, and we're out there focusing on the free agency stuff and who's moving where and what are the fantasy implications. So, uh, we're hot and heavy in the middle of March when virtually no one else is even open. So, uh, that's good news for us. I mean, but we're pretty low key. I mean, everything's 100% free this year. So, if you want fantasy uh, discussions or just uh, some some nice little apps or tools for Dynasty. I just want to come on over and check us out, DynastyGuys.com, or open 24-7. Uh, give, a, give us a good look and uh, check us out. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm going to be uh, first and foremost to say that, uh, you know, I work a different schedule, and when I get home at uh, 1.30, 2 a.m., I, I can always uh, pull up Dynasty Guys, and uh, it's always been something that, that's uh, – it's been blogged. Something's been talked about uh, within 30 minutes, and uh, it, it's a great site, Jeff. And uh, I want to I want to thank you for uh, for helping me out tonight and uh, being on the show. And uh, you know, we we just love having you. And just anytime you want to uh, anytime you want to come on, uh, we'd love to have you again, man. Well, thanks, Mike. I'm a big fan of Red versus Blue, and uh, let's hope that Scott gets healthy. But I'm happy to fill in when I can and help out. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Jeff. I appreciate it. And, uh, hey, guys, visit uh, Dynasty Guys. You'll love it. You'll love it. Get signed in. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Take care, Mike. All right. You too. That was Jeff Pasquino. And, uh, you know, just a just a wonderful site, uh, wonderful things that he does on uh, Dynasty Guys. Uh, they got a lot of things going on uh, with that show or with the, uh, with the website. So, uh you know, if you're into dynasty football, uh, if you're heavy into it, uh, go to it. You'll enjoy it. If you're new to the game, uh, hey, it's time. It's time. I mean, it's uh, it's March. Uh, it's March fifth, and it's time to get ready to uh, focus on uh, getting getting your dynasty team together. And uh, if you if if you've never been into dynasty football and want to get into it, uh, just you know, just type something in there and say, hey, I want to get into it. So uh, I think uh, I think we're going to move on. Uh, it's uh, you know we've got about 20 minutes left in the show, and uh, we're still uh, talking uh, some free agency and trades. And uh, but I would love to have uh, I'd love to have Neil Atkins join me. Uh, Neil, you out there? Yeah, Mike. How you doing tonight, man? Hey, pretty good, pretty good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, uh, here, Scott's a little under the weather tonight. Yeah, he's. He's a little horse. He's a little horse, but uh, 
Yeah, yeah, he's a little under the weather, and uh, I appreciate you joining me and uh, on Red versus Blue uh, Sports Talk Fantasy Football. And uh, well, what do you think? We got uh, we got Freedom Hall uh, coming up um, tomorrow. It's it's hard to believe, isn't it? You going out there? No, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not. Uh, I, I posted a blog on FFPC Fantasy Football Players Championship. Uh, I posted a blog on there uh, that talked about my years uh, remembering Freedom Hall. It started with, uh, believe it or not, it started with uh, Ohio State and Clark Kellogg against the University of Louisville Cardinals. And, of course, I was born and raised in Louisville, and, but I'm a big Kentucky fan. Yeah. But I remember my dad, got me a, my dad got me a ticket, and I was like, well, let's go watch a game. And I rooted for Louisville because I just didn't like the way – Clark Kellogg look. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and okay. uh Louisville ended up winning that game. Uh but there's been a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of history around Freedom Hall. Yeah, it goes back to uh, nineteen fifty six. I mean I don't uh, I don't quite remember all back when it first started. Uh, I go back a long way with it into the sixties, but uh don't remember the first I know they talked about that first game when Charlie Shirey, which I don't very I don't remember him, but I, I guess I'd been about ten then or something, but uh, uh Naughty Meadow, yeah. But uh they said he scored 40 points in his first game against Notre Dame there when they first opened it up, you know. That's a lot of history there, a lot of years. And Denny Crum coming there, you know, went through with Peck Hickman and, and Denny Crum and 30 years of Denny yep. Crum. And just a lot of good memories out there. A lot of great teams, yeah. great players, a lot of good times and winning shots. And this just can't hardly, you know, uh, uh, there's just so many of them, you know. I just, uh, and a lot of them going to be there tomorrow, you know, a lot of your – championship team players and a lot of your a lot of the players from uh, all the teams past that have come come and gone right well i you know i think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh for any guys out there that uh you know we're all about uh fantasy football and uh would like to talk it and uh but history means a lot and uh freedom hall has meant a lot to me uh just from uh watching you know, like I said, I, I remember when I was a little kid, uh, I watched the um, Kentucky Colonels. I remember Artis Gilmore, and I'll never forget this, Neil. He he walked past me. Uh, I mean, I had a great seat. He walked past me. I was about seven, eight years old, and I looked up, and, of course, I came to his knee. And he was the tallest individual I ever saw. And he was walking off the floor, and then right behind was Louis Dampier with the hair down almost to his shoulder, and then Hubie Brown. Yeah. And yeah. I'm Brown's sure a lot of these guys Hubie Brown. Bring up a game I remember there with Artis Gilmore. I remember on West Kentucky had McDaniels. I don't know if you remember back that far. Another seven-footer. No. The Kentucky's great teams they had, but uh, I think made it to the Final Four for Bowl, you know. Uh, Made it to the final four before getting beat, but there were just some great teams and great teams come through Freedom Hall. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I, hope I hope this new stadium down on the river they haven't picked the name for it right now. I guess they're just calling it Louisville Stadium right now. But it's well, uh, you know that's funny because uh, Scott and I we were talking about that earlier this week, and uh, I don't think they really do have a name for it. I just call it Downtown Arena. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be nice, and, uh, you know, it is time to move on. But, uh, one, you know, I just 
Freedom Hall. Freedom Hall is a great venue to watch basketball, and I, and okay. I hope that, really uh, anything. I mean, it's really a great place to have car shows. I mean, it's been, I've been out there for so many things during the years. You know, just hate to bid it. Well, we'll still be going out there, just not for the little games. Right, and uh, but time time moves on, and uh, we gotta we we gotta understand that. And but, uh, I hope anybody that's uh, still with us. Uh, you know, tune in tomorrow at two o'clock or maybe even one thirty uh, on ESPN. They're gonna uh, they're gonna have some stuff going on about Freedom Hall because it, it, in, in this area, in in the Louisville, Kentucky area, it is a it, it's a big thing. And uh, to watch uh, Freedom Hall for the last time, uh, especially when they're playing the number one team in the nation. Exactly. I say, what a way to go out. That couldn't have been yeah, it any better. Way to go out. Huh? I can't believe they got us as a one-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. I think they yeah, I know. Uh, well, you know, call us a box of chocolates all year, you know. <laughs> uh, you, you never know what you're going to get with them. But uh, Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, because, well, they match up good with Syracuse, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they proved it. That they beat them before. Uh, they just don't match up good with Marquette. <laughs> yeah, that's but, uh, true. They, they match up good with Syracuse, and uh, – this is a uh, it's a Jekyll and Hyde team. Uh, you, you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, if they show up, uh, they're the scariest team. Uh, you know, they, yeah. they can come across. I've seen them. Uh, when they don't show up, they're they're not very good. Uh-huh. It's really going to be interesting. I, I sure hope we can pull it out tomorrow. But uh, uh, it'd be a nice way to send them out of Freedom Hall winners, you know. But. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. There's a lot of memories I know tomorrow coming up. To... Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be kind of neat to uh, to see all the uh, all the players from uh, hopefully from the eight from 1980, 1986. Yeah, they're all uh, there. Now those two championship teams. I mean, they were great teams. All those uh, four teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that that's just uh, it's a wonderful thing, and. Of course, they renamed the court uh, Denny Crum Court, uh-huh. which, you know, I that, that was a that was a perfect thing to do in my opinion because yeah, uh, really Denny Crum, without him, uh, you know, who knows where Louisville would have been in you college know, talking about those teams that won the championships and stuff. But I still, I mean, there were other teams. I think I like that '83 team that with, with the two brothers of uh, what? The, oh, oh, what were their names? Go ahead. I know. Right now. Um, oh. Oh, heck. Oh, well, I, well, I still one of my favorite teams was back in the 70s, though, where they had uh, yeah. Philip Bond, and, I mean, they had... Uh, uh, Junior Bridgman. Junior Bridgman, yeah. And yeah. Murphy, Alan Murphy, that team there lost in overtime at UCLA, double overtime yeah. at UCLA. I just thought that was, that was a great... Well, UCLA ended up winning that year with Bill Walton and them, you know. But uh, that was just such a great team, and they had such a great game. It was a uh, Cray. And it was. Talk about McCray brothers, Rodney and Scooter. Rodney and Scooter McCray. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot them. But, uh, yeah, they were just a lot of good teams there that really didn't, maybe they got to Final Fours, but didn't win the championship, you know. Just well, one teams. thing about Denny Crum and something that he always did, was he uh he always liked to have a tough schedule to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, he always liked to play him tough. Yeah. I mean, you know. 
He's always thought that made you better for February, you know, March, you know. With the, and it does. And you know what? Uh, he was kind of a visionary in, in his, because he made other coaches do the same thing because, you know, do you exactly. think I mean, that you that don't get better playing for these teams, you know, that's a, or somebody that you can pound in the ground. I mean, I've seen, like, Marquette's in the past when Al McGuire was there. They used to play a lot of patsies all year long, you know, and, and uh, to some degree, I think the Syracuse team used to do that. Maybe still does the early season, you know. But uh, uh, well, see what what Denny Crum had to do at that time was, you know, that was in the when they were in the Metro. Yeah. And he was yeah. like, he looked at his schedule. He's going, okay, we're in the Metro. Uh, we got Memphis. We got Keith Lee. We got uh, Dana Kurt as head coach. Uh, that's about all we got. So we better we better. Playing. We better schedule somebody that's going to be tough early on and make our statement quick. Exactly. Let them know where they was at and what they was weak in. You know, if they got if they did, if we lost, you know, at least you knew where you were weak at and what you had to improve on. You know, and and it gives you time to uh, you know not to wait till you you, you you had to play them in the you know in the uh, quarterfinals or something. You know, to find out and get beat before you know you have to work on it. You know. Right, right. They find that out early and get to. Well, I think that's what uh, I think that's what uh, my Kentucky Wildcats—they're uh, going through a little bit of something. Uh, you well, know, I always just say that's what's wrong with freshmen. You know, they—they are freshmen and they have to learn that. You know, they have to find their weaknesses and and know it because as soon as other teams find that out, they exploit that. You know, if you're if well, you're, we, we had a discussion. Uh, uh, well, earlier today uh, about Kentucky, as far as their, uh, you know, coming from behind attitude, yeah. their come from behind attitude is they need to shoot the three. Well, Kentucky cannot shoot the ball. They really cannot shoot the ball. I, so, I don't. I think they just had the wrong people shooting the ball. <laughs> I think they can shoot it. They've got some shooters on that team, but they don't play a lot. You know, I think they've really got some I, shooters on that team. But, you know, I don't know who that shooter is. John Wall is not a pure shooter. Eric, Eric Bledsoe is not a take it to the ball. He ought to take that ball to the basket every time, and either dish off. Or exactly. That's, that, that, that's that's what they need to do. That's what they need to do. And uh, other, I mean, Kentucky could be. I mean, they're going to be a number one seed, but they're going to face an eight or nine in the yeah. second round. And you know, it, I still think that Cousins. I don't care what anybody says. They, you know, they're still talking John Wall being the number one pick, and probably rightly deservedly so. Uh, for his, uh, all his potential, but I think there's more potential in that Cousins than anybody on that. No team. doubt. That guy, no question. He's already got that NBA body, and you don't get that speed that he's got. You know, people, if you haven't seen him play, you got to see this, but he's a monster. No question. No yeah. question. I, I totally agree. I mean, I I watched a replay of him, uh, you know, against Georgia. He sold the ball on – their end of the court and just took it the length of the court. I seen that too. That was impressive. Wasn't I mean, it? he, I mean, he yeah. cross dribbled. He only had one dribble after mid court, but then and then before laying it in, but <laughs> but he was he got to the basket, just took it right down. You don't see What's that on six eleven, two hundred sixty five pounds center forward. They've got a ton of talent, uh, and uh, I really, uh, you know, I think uh, I think that. Uh, Kansas looks the best of the best, in my opinion. But I, I, uh, I like that team. I like that team. Yeah. Well, who's your final four this year? 
Well, right now, right now it's going to be uh, Kentucky, Kansas, and I'm going to have to throw a two a two seed in there. It depends on who it may be. I think Duke is eventually going to be there, even though they they, they lost that one to Maryland. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but that was at Maryland on senior day, so you kind of got to give it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Grievous is awful tough. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, people think that uh, there's always upsets or, you know, a six seed, seven seed that's going to be in the final four. No, it's going to be one. You think of that one. new Mexico team Steve Alford? Or what? Steve Alford, he went nuts. Yeah, I mean, what do you think about that team he's got out there? Oh, uh, pretty good. Kind of hard to get a handle on them, really. I mean, you can't by who they played, but I mean, I know they're like they're at like twenty-eight and three, I think. They got yeah. a, they got a chance at that last number one seed, I think. Well, well, another thing, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Neil. Um, they're talking about expanding, obviously, the tournament to ninety-six teams and this and that. I would really like to see the NCAA tournament expanded to seventy-six teams. And no NIT, and I'm sure that would hurt a lot of people in the, uh, you know, in the Big Apple in in New York for the Final Four of the NIT. But the NIT has lost its luster, and you know, I know Kentucky was in it last year, but <clears throat> nobody wants. If to I'm be not NIT, in the NCAA tournament, I don't want no NIT. Yeah. Well, I know they've talked about several things. I know I've listened to Bob Knight's and different people's opinions on them. And they've talked about even put letting just everybody be in it, you know. I can't say I'm against that, you know, just to right. figure, figure out a way to make it work, you know. Well, I'll tell you what. The one thing about NCAA Division One college basketball, Division Two college basketball, Division Two college football, they have a playoff. What is wrong with Division One college football? There is no playoff. They got these stinking bowl games that they're yeah. going, and then they got the BCS that's going to determine who's going to play who. Uh, well, I wish there was some you know, way or some kind. It takes some kind of a movement to ever change that. I think there's just too much money involved, and everybody knows it. You know, there's too much money involved in the big conferences, happen. and I don't think it's going to happen. You know, they're just not willing to share it. That you know, they may be willing to share some of it. But, uh, It'll never happen, especially because the SEC, they love what they have right now in college football, so they're just and like, the Big okay. Ten, Pac-10, you know, it's just kind of got a monopoly on it all, you know. To... And it's, it's kind of a joke, but, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's just uh, that's just the way they want it, and that's, that's what they're going to get, and they're going to live with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, these those teams you're talking about. I mean, those teams that are in those conferences that are they're they're bringing a hundred thousand fans to their games every every game, you know. And that's just uh, uh, that's just what made the sport what it is, you know. And I know the little guys. It's always fun to have the little guys in there. Sure. Uh, especially when they deserve to be, you know. Which uh, I mean, there's a lot of disagreement all the time over who deserves to be because of the. Uh, competition they play but you know like i said a lot of times there's no the little guys don't get a chance to play the big guys unless it's on their court you know at all their you know uh, uh, all right. everything's uh, everything's in their favor you know to... well i'm going to share something we got about a minute and a half to go neil and i'm going to okay. share something 
I posted it on FFPC, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna just uh, kind of throw it out there um, about Freedom Hall. Well, wow, where do I start? Freedom Hall in Louisville at the Kentucky Fair and Exposition Center holds a lot of memories for me. When the Louisville Cardinals okay. host the number one Syracuse Orangemen on Saturday, it will be the last we see of a fine arena, an arena host to many great memorable events. Can't, I just can't begin to think about all the teams that people and the players that have played there. Purvis Ellison, remember him on a that yep. was on the '86 championship team. I remember when UK pulled the wool over Digger Phelps' eyes when he said, or when he was Notre Dame head coach. He thought that Freedom Hall would be a good quote neutral court. Yeah, Kentucky Notre Dame. Oh yeah, they seven... played that all the time with Indiana, Kentucky, and Notre Dame, and Louisville. Them were that was a great tournament they had here. I wish they'd bring it back. You've been listening to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. Killer? Yep. Hello? Hello, Mike? You! Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear, I hear fine, Neil. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know if we got cut off or not. But, uh, yeah, I said I'd like to see him bring that Kentucky, you know, when they used to play with uh, Indiana, and, Indiana and Notre Dame with Kentucky and Louisville. Every year they yeah, had, uh, I forget what that was called, but I know it was a Big Four Classic. Big Four Classic, that's what it was called, and I thought that was really a good. It was neat. It was neat. Kind but you know what, money money got in the way of that, and I tell you another thing that got in the way of that Neil was uh, Kentucky. Kentucky, they they were they were dickheads about it. To be quite right. honest with you, yep. Huh. Yeah, I know it kind of was a. Uh, Kind of, kind of sorted out what was going on around here every year, you know, and kind of give you something to play for at the end of the year like that too, you know. With the... Yeah. I, I remember when. Uh, let's see, what was I? Oh, when uh, UK pulled the wool over uh, Digger Phelps' eyes. When when Digger, Digger Phelps, I, I swear he he thought I, I was a kid, and he thought it was going to be a seven-year contract. When he was coaching Notre Dame, yeah, he's like, "Okay, we'll play you on a neutral court." Yeah, and but and Joe B. Hall said, "Okay, how about Louisville, Kentucky, at Freedom Hall?" Which and Digger Phelps was like, "Okay, sounds good." <laughs> <laughs> Bad move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a neutral court, but anyway, can that's like a home away from home for Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, that's a. Uh, but I, but there's a. There's a lot of great memories in that place, man. And I just, uh, I'm looking forward. And, you know, yeah, like I'd love I said, to be going out there myself. I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna watch it on TV, but I would love to be out there just to see the last game. With the... Yeah. Oh, they're all gonna be. Out I got there a buddy of mine that's going. And I told him, I said, you pick up a ticket stub. Just give me a ticket stub. Yeah, something. But anyway, hey Neil, thanks for joining, and uh, uh, I'll put that in. And it's really good talking to you. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, join up next Friday. Sure. 
I think I will. I just uh, been pretty busy here lately. I've been following basketball for close this year, and uh, since football season, I kind of bailed out of football season, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, make playoffs and what? Sir, I'm ready well, for the next one, though. Hey, that's all we can do. That's all we can do. That's right. Well, you guys have it. All right. Well, Neil, I might hit you up on Facebook or uh, shoot hey. me a text, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll keep in contact throughout this tournament. Sure thing. Okay, good luck. All right, thanks, Neil. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.